it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 426 for February 19th, 2016. I'm your host, Allison Sheridan, and we have Bart Bouchatz from Bartbeeb.ie back again today to work on some more programming by stealth. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing just fine, actually. So <laughs> Friday evening, I've had a long week, but hey, what's more fun than programming? Exactly, exactly. Well, I don't know if anybody could pick up on it at all during the show last time, but I got a little bit stuck on some of the stuff you were teaching me, which is one of the reasons I took a break last week and learned second grade math, because I figured maybe I'd be up to that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's try some second grade CSS then. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. So uh, we can, uh, hopefully we'll make some progress and uh, bring me along on this one. Yeah. And I did say to you last week that last week was the heaviest or last, last time. I keep saying last week. We're not weekly anymore. But anyway. I did say last time it was the heaviest lift that I think we're going to have in the whole series. Thank and goodness. entirely because of that, we're going to start by relifting it this week just to, to, to you know revisit the same topic, help cement it in. And also we're going to revisit it using a little more visual approach. Um, basically, I know, I, I knew I was losing you last week, so I spent Saturday sort of or Sunday sort of going, hmm, how can I fix this? So I actually wrote a little a little web app to help us play around with these concepts. And I think we're going to start there. And then we do, we are going to learn some new stuff today, but before we learn it, we're going to do a very no silicasty thing. There's going to be a problem to be solved. Ooh, other than Allison's too dense to pick up what you're saying. <laughs> no, I, I really, really, really wouldn't put it that way. Um, the, the, the concepts we did last week were not simple. And what's worse is they're badly named. Yeah, other than that, it was easy. And I mean, a difficult. It was, even if they were well named, it wouldn't have been an easy concept. But the fact that the names don't make sense makes it twice as hard. Right, right. Now, spoiler to the audience is Barton has been showing me this web-based tool a little bit, and it's fantastic. It's really, it's really cool. Even if I don't memorize what what you've told me, I I know that I have a tool where I can go. Okay, which one is static and which one is fixed? Oh, okay. Oh, if I move this, okay, now I got it, and then I can go back and play. The other thing to bear in mind is if you're ever confused, you can go to W3C's CSS reference and you know that the thing that you're confused about is called position. So you scroll down the alphabetized list to position and it will tell you static means this, relative means this, absolute means this, fixed means this. So now that you know what to go look for, you're, you're still better off. You don't have to remember it. You just have to remember that it exists. I like that. Uh, when I was in college, they used to make us fill out surveys at the end of every uh, instructor's quarter. And one of the main questions was, did they make you memorize stuff or did they teach you how to look it up and figure it out? Excellent. That's good. Assuming the answer they're looking for is that they didn't make you memorize. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's what they wanted. I think actually the most difficult exam I did uh, at university was a programming exam that was open book. So everyone thought, oh, great, open book. This will be fine. Yeah, it was testing whether or not we could look stuff up. <laughs> Which meant that the questions were stuff we'd never come across before. Because oh. if you come across it before, well, then you wouldn't have to go look it up, would you? Right. So it was actually really bloody difficult. <laughs> well, let's hopefully, uh, we've learned how to look stuff up here. Yes. So anyway, so the link in there is a link in the show notes. So you can either download the code yourself and run it in your own web server, or you can click on the link and you can get it from my web server. So it's at, uh, well, you can click the link or it's bartbushots.ie forward slash PBS demos. Actually, just go to forward slash PBS demos and you'll see a little secret that I haven't been telling people. PBS dash demos? 
So PBS demo is all one word. Okay. And by the way, you don't have to be able to type spell Bouchats because no one can. Uh, it's bartb.ie slash PBS demos. I have a text oh. expander snippet because I have yet to spell it correctly. <laughs> oh, dear. It's okay. It's only been like eight years. Come on, Bart. Give me some time. Okay, so now I can see PBS. I can see a list of the PBSs and positioning playground. Very cool. Yeah. So all of the PBS demos are actually sitting on my server for people to run here instead of on their own if they want to. But anyway, the okay. one that we're going to play with now is called PBS Eight Positioning Playground. Yay! So this is a little web app, and a nice feature about this is that this is entirely written in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Ooh. So a few months from now, when we have learned JavaScript, none of none of how this thing works will be a mystery anymore. You will have the ability to create something just like this. Wow. So in some ways, it's a sneak peek. <laughs> and it's also why I've given the download to the code, because anyone who's curious who wants to look ahead can look and see what JavaScript looks like and see how it hangs together. And, you know, it could be a bit of fun. All right. So as I say, this hopefully will whet people's appetite. So you're going to get... You start off with just a basic little screen. Um, I'm going to pop it out to a new window. It works better that way. Instead of having any with my other tabs. And so when you click the start button, it's going to pop up a new window, which is going to contain some color-coded boxes that are going to represent the parts of our layout. So if we just click start, you'll see that goes boing. Pretty and we colors. See we have red, green, blue, yellow, and I can't remember what the other one was. Oh, magenta. I think we went through we spent a lot of time talking about colors on the side. We did, because we decided that cyan was too similar to blue. Right, or possibly green. We weren't even sure. It, cyan just wasn't working. So your first window has now turned into a control panel, which has a little mini form that matches each of the boxes in the pop-up window. So there's one called box one, which is red to match the red. There's one called box two, which is green to match the green. Box three is blue to match the blue, etc. And inside each of these mini forms, we have form inputs for the CSS properties. And as we change them in the control panel, they will change in the little pop-up window. Cool. And that way we can play. So the first thing to do, if you scroll down a bit, you'll see instructions. It also shows you the HTML. So it's box one is just a div, box two is just a div, and box three is just a div. Box four and five are also divs, but they're divs inside box two. Mm -hmm. And if you remember at the end of our culmination last time was a two-column layout, which oh, we right. constructed with three top-level divs and the middle div containing two divs. In other words, exactly like this. Ah, and we made okay. box four into the main content and box five into the sidebar. So we now have this unstyled. This is how it came, you know, how it behaves by default. All of the boxes here are behaving like our helium balloons. They're in the normal flow. So our header's at the top, then our middle bit with the two parts under each other, and then our bottom bit. So everything is helium balloons and everything is unpositioned right now. I'm going to give a little read ahead to people. If you, When you start playing with this, the, the helium balloon thing starts to really make sense. I, I believed you what you were saying, but it didn't, it didn't sink in until I saw things float up. <laughs> and move around, yeah. Yeah. So, now... Remember, remember we, the, the first confusing term is so everything, everything has a position at, or a position property in CSS. But something with a position set to static, we call unpositioned. Okay. It has a position, it's set to static, and yet we call that unpositioned. 
okay. weird. Let's just run with it, right? That is what we have decided. And a position that is anything else, we call position. Okay. That's the first bit of weirdo terminology that makes no sense. Yeah, I can I can almost make that make sense. Like it's static, so we aren't going to tell you where it is. So it's unpositioned because it's static. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we start here with everything unpositioned. So in all five boxes, it says position colon static. So, so Bart, Bart hasn't described this as much as I want to. Uh, under box one, it says position static, and there's a pull down. So there's a pull down on each one of these. We're going to be able to change the properties of each one of these boxes independently. Yes. Okay. Now, the instructions tell us how we can transform this unpositioned layout into our two-column model that we really want to get to. Okay. So the first thing it says to do is to start by making some room to put the sidebar into which we're going to do by giving box four, the yellow box, a wide margin on the left-hand side, which opens up empty space, literally. Okay, so for so, those people listening along, so we've got the, the, the green box and two boxes, one above the other right now. So we need the top one to, to have a margin on the left side so that there'll be room for the box five to float up into it. Well, it's not so much float as we're, we're not letting it float. We're going to pick it up and we're going to tell it where to be. Oh, okay. It's not, we're not floating it. We're it's not heliuming. Hmm? It's not using that helium thing to go up no. in there. We're expressly <clears throat> removing it from the helium and stapling it. There, okay. If you want to. Okay. I'm not sure stapling is a good analogy with balloons, but bear <laughs> with me. <laughs> okay. So the first thing we want to do is make that room. So we go to the to the control panel for box four, and we set the margin minus left to 140. Margin. Which is not a number I've pulled out of my backside. Okay. It is the width we'd like our sidebar to be. Sorry, 240. No, no, 140. Which is the width we'd like our sidebar to be, which is 100, plus twice the margin we're using, which is 20. So we type in 140px, it goes green, and then we either hit enter or press the little floppy disk save icon. Now, at first when I played with this, I was annoyed that you made me type PX over and over again. But I think it's important that you're making us type that because you will have to type that. You have to know it's PXs you're talking about. Right. And it's also perfectly valid in CSS terms to have 140 EM or something. Right. Right. Okay. So 140 PX, enter, and box four appears to shrink. But of course, a margin is an invisible region. So box force is still taking up the full width. It's just that it has this big invisible margin now. Ah, and if I change the width of the window, it's it, it gets wider along with everything else, but it maintains that 140 px left margin. Correct. Okay. All right. And we haven't taken anything out of the helium balloons yet, so nothing has nothing is changing where it is. It's just a, this invisible margin has been opened up. Okay. So the next step is to take box five and make it be the right size to fit into the hole we've created so we set the width of box 5 to 100 px got it huh it got smaller so it's the right width to fit up into the margin but it did not float up no because remember that the helium balloon for box 4 is the full width it's just a uh, part of it now visible ah uh, right right right, right. floated up and banged into the invisible box 4 so that margin is sort of owned by box 4 Ish. Yes. Okay. Yeah, box four is basically say yeah, that's mine. I know I'm not using it right now, but that is mine. <laughs> okay. So the next thing we want to do is we want to rip box five out of the normal flow. We want to position it, and we're going to position it absolute. So we take box five's position, change it from static to absolute. Okay. Now, 
It has come out of the Helium Blues. Let's not look at box five for a minute and see what's happened to all the other boxes. Wait a minute, I think so, I changed the wrong box. <laughs> because something really unexpected happened? Yeah, hang on. Box four was supposed to be static, right? Okay, there yes. we go. Okay, hang on. And then box five was supposed to be 100. Yeah, I, I really absolutely. boogered everything when I did that. Okay. Okay. Okay, so now box so box five, we want it to slide up, but we're going to change it to absolute... Yeah, so we've taken it to absolute. So, but the instant we take it to absolute, it's not yet in the right place, but it has ceased to be part of the helium. Its position is now something other than static. So it is no longer in the helium scenario. It's no longer in the normal flow of the document. Oh. It is, in fact, in front of all of our helium balloons. Interesting. So it, box four, uh, the, the box two that used to have four and five inside it now only has box four inside it. Box five it appears shrunk. to be sitting on top of box three. Yes. So it has shrunk. So it has been pulled out as if the balloon is just gone. So mm-hmm. box two has collapsed up because it no longer has that thing in the way. And box three has moved up appropriately. So the helium balloons are behaving in a helium way as if box five had just been vanished out of existence. But instead of being vanished out of existence, it's been raised to another plane, literally, because it is in front of them now. So it is raised up to another plane of existence. Why is it at the bottom? I would have thought maybe it would be at the top or below box three, but it's sitting on top of box three. It's At the moment, its position is at auto, which means it's behaving in a very unpredictable way. It's oh, okay. kind of in limbo, to be perfectly honest. And okay. it's not something you would ever do intentionally. So the very next step, and I toyed with making steps two and three into one step, but that just looked too confusing when I wrote it down. Okay. Sorry, steps three and four. So the next thing to do is to actually, instead of leaving its top and its its left at auto, let's actually tell it where to go. Okay. So top, zero PX. That sounds like it's going to be at the very top. And left, zero PX. Okay. And so now it is, it, it is in a different place. But it's not where it's we want it either. Box one. Yeah, it's not where we want it to be yet. Okay, so it's absolute is with respect to the window? No. Dang it. There is a subtlety, right? And this is the very important subtlety that's so hard to explain without these diagrams. So in terms of the HTML, box five is inside box two in terms of HTML. Right. So when the when the browser is trying to figure out what top zero means, its rule is starting at box five, it's going to look at all of its parents until it finds a parent with a position that is not static. In other words, a positioned parent. Okay. If there is no positioned parent, then body becomes, body takes that role. So the only parent is box two. What is box two's current position? Scroll up, have a look. It's static. So box two is unpositioned. So it doesn't get to play boss. Right. And then there's nothing else between it and the body. So body wins. And so it is now positioned zero, zero relative to the body. So, but where is the body? With The body is the window, No. The body is the window, but if you look at box five, it also has a margin of 20. So it is actually touching the top and left of the window. It just has its 20 pixel invisible shield. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. As so, indeed does box one. It also has its 20 okay. pixel invisible shield. Everything has a 20 pixel shield. Otherwise, they would, otherwise the demo really doesn't work because everything is just... Smashed over. Okay. So it is sitting on the top left of the page. But we don't want it at the top left of the page. We put that blue, uh, sorry, the green div there for a reason to act as a container for those two parts within it. 
Right. So how do we make box five behave relative to box three? Ooh, Sorry, box I, two. Can I, yeah, can I guess? Yes, please. We said that if it's absolute, then it needs to get its position from a parent that is positioned. So yes. since box two is not positioned because it says static, that must mean we got to change box two to something else. Correct. Now we want to. I don't know what we change two. it to, but I forgot that far. Right. Okay, that's the first of the two things we have to figure out. So the first thing is box two is the current problem. It's static and it shouldn't be. Okay. So then we have three options. Fixed. Well, fixed means we position it relative to the window, and as we scroll, it would stay put. And that's clearly not a good idea, that the middle of your web page stays put and the header scrolls behind it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That wouldn't work. Absolute wouldn't really solve any problem, because then we'd have a green box sitting on top of a red, of the red box. <laughs> right. So that doesn't get us any further along. So that leaves one more option. Relative. Okay. And relative's a weirdo. So first off... Oh, I thought I understood Relative. <laughs> Okay, set it to relative and it will work. And then my second thing is to explain why it will work. Okay. So you set it to relative and hey presto, box five jumps exactly where it should be. So box two got changed to relative, which made box five be allowed to listen to box two. And it went relative to that. So its margin is relative to how it sits in box two. Yeah. So it's now 20 pixels in because of its margin and its coordinates are zero, zero. Okay. And it's perfect. We have a sidebar next to our main content. And if we make the window wider and less wide, it behaves beautifully. It is our desired result. But why is it our desired result? So position relative, what it does is, it it is a position that is not static, so it counts as being position. But what it means is, don't remove me, don't take my placeholder out of the helium. Keep a placeholder for me in the helium. And then move me relative to where I should be by whatever is set to top, right, bottom, or left. And in this case, we're not setting anything there. So it is taken out of the normal flow, but left exactly where it, should, where it was before. <laughs> okay, so we could have defined top, bottom, right, left, but we don't need to because in the flow is where we actually want it to be. We want it to be in the flow. Exactly, we want it to be in the flow. Because if you made it absolute, then as the header got smaller and bigger it would stay put and the header would bash into it. So it's actually relative allows you to position something without moving it. So it is now (laughs) positioned, but we haven't moved it. Sorry, you do realize how silly that sounds, right? Position it without moving it? it But the reason it's so powerful, even though it sounds silly, is because it allows us to, to make any box we like become the zero, zero coordinates for the absolute positioning within it. Okay. And hence our layout works. Okay. And this is a plausible layout. You saw it in the demo. It looked fine. Now let's start playing with this layout and see how well it works in real life. So let's make box four a bit taller. Let's make it, instead of 30 pixels high, let's make it 300 pixels high. So our main content has got long. I've wrote a big essay. Okay. Uh, okay. It's broken. So this is height. I'm going to change to 300. Height to 300. So Okay. Ah, it just fell out of everything. It's too long. No, it's fine. It's fine. Well, but my green box didn't get bigger and my my blue box didn't fall, move down. Then you've made a mistake somewhere. You've set the wrong thing to something. So I changed box five height to three 300 pixels. No, not box five, box four. Oh, box I thought we were doing the sidebar. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. We'll break it in a minute. We want it to work correctly for now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Break it in the right order, Allison. Okay, so my content box, I'm going to make 300. Oh. Yeah, and leave the height at any value less than 300. Okay, so now this is interesting because box four was able to get longer and the the container box got bigger oh. with it. But that didn't happen when I did it to box five. Right. Okay, so, yeah. So when box four expands, it is in the normal flow of the helium balloon. So everything just moves out of its way and it's all fine. Because it's in the helium balloons. It's behaving like a normal, like a paragraph. You type a bit more, everything moves down the page. So we actually blew that box up with more helium, which made the container box have to get bigger for it? Yeah, so it's it, basically what we've done here is the equivalent of just keeping typing. You know, add in some more paragraphs. Okay. We've made the content longer and everything's fine. Nothing has broken. The thing is, this layout has a flaw. The flaw is it only works as long as the sidebar is shorter or the same length as the content. So now let's make box five 500 pixels high. Okay. Which is greater than 300. Problem. Okay, so now it's squirting out the way I did it wrong. <laughs> I was a step ahead. You were a step ahead. Okay. Box five starts in the right place. It's zero, zero are exactly where they should be. And then it's 500 pixels long. But after about 520 pixels, it's run out of green, done charging beyond it, and it's covering up the footer. Right, right. Because it's not in the green box, it's hovering in front of it. And as it grew, well, there's nothing to stop it, is there? Because it's on a different plane of existence. So this layout is only going to work on sites where you're sure that you have more to say than you have in your sidebar. Hmm. So it is a flawed layout, Can which gives us a problem to be solved. Yes, it does. Okay. So that's I thought you were going to leave us to... there and just walk away. No, 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 no. So this is where we got to last week. And last week I said that we had talked about floating and we had talked about position. And position is the one that confused you. So that's why I've gone back to position. The okay. floating stuff you were happy with because you've been doing it with images for ages. Right. So the floating is fine. But the positioning was causing trouble. Hence, I built this little bit of programming. Right. Uh, quite a few lines of code, actually, but I, I like it. It works well. Yeah, it does for me. Okay, so now let's get kicked back into the flow of things here. Let's, let's move on. So we've done our revision, so let's move on. So we've learned about float, and we've learned about position. The last one of our triumvirate of tags for laying stuff out, or not tags, properties for laying stuff out, is display. So that's okay. what we're going to look at today. Display. So we're back on the regular show notes now. Back on the regular show notes, the CSS display property. Okay. All right. So I've already told you that there are two types of tag. There are block level tags like paragraphs, headings, block quotes. Mm -hmm. And there are inline tags like EM, strong, code. Right. And we've seen how different they are. And I've just told you that they are that. And I also mentioned, I also hinted at the fact that there were a couple of oddballs. Right. That, again, was a simplification. So now it's time to tell you the truth. <laughs> so the actual true statement is that headings are block-level tags by default. Emphasis is an inline tag by default. We are not confined by those defaults. Hmm. The display property allows us to say. So if you say display, colon, block, ta-da, whatever it is, whether it's an EM tag or whatever, it will now behave like a block-level tag. Likewise, hmm. you could take a header and say display, colon, inline, 
and it will behave as if it's an inline tag. So I probably we, should have paid better attention to what block and inline meant for this to be as dramatic as it sounds like it is. Okay, so a block is something like a paragraph where it's the full width of the available space, and in our helium balloons, it is a balloon. Ah, Whereas okay. making something bold doesn't make a new balloon. Ah, it just gotcha. happens to the sun. So you're saying you could make something, you could say something is bold, but to say display block and that bold thing would be the full width? That bold thing would start to behave as if it was a H1. Onto a new line, split everything apart. Okay. Okay. Huh. Now that's not something you tend to want to do all that often, except perhaps with these weirder tags like figure, aside, div, frankly. Hmm. You may want to poke around with those. Another one that you actually, believe it or not, may want to do it with is H1. Hmm. Because if you're working on a very small, something small, you may actually want something compact. You may actually want the header to just be bold text at the start of a line. Well, if you say H1 display colon inline, well, then a header stops causing a new line to occur. And it just happens as if you'd used the strong tag. Oh, but you still get the benefits of being a a header, like being able to be read by screen readers and such. Exactly. Yes. So remember, you want your HTML to say what something is and your CSS to say how it should look. So it is a header, but you don't want it to look like one. I guess I can see more examples of of the former where you take something that normally wouldn't be a block level tag and make it a block level tag. Like you said, the aside being able yeah. to make that be a block that floats around and does something of its own, you'd want to be able to say that's block level? Well, actually, an aside is block by default. Oh, okay, never so mind. But if it aside, wasn't... You could make an aside just simply be, say, bold text or something nestled within your regular text. Okay. If it was a short aside. <laughs> if it was a long aside, that would look silly. But if it was a short aside, you could do that. Okay. However, display can have more than two values. Okay, so block and inline are the two I have already told you about. But I have been hinting at the fact that some tags are a bit odd. Well, they're not a bit odd. They just have a display property that is not block or inline. And the first one I'm going to mention, because you asked me about it, is display colon none. This is the black hole of HTML. It is the what hole? The what? Black hole. (laughs) If you say... I thought you said butthole. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, because it's a (laughs) family-friendly show. Okay, Yeah, I didn't take this down. (laughs) Okay, sorry. I got to stop interrupting because you don't make much sense when I'm talking over you. Okay, go ahead. Display none is the black hole. It just makes it vanish. If you were to say P, open curly black and display colon none, every paragraph in your document would vanish into the ether. Ooh, that'd be good to do something. It would be as if you popped the balloon, right? Everything below it would move up. Okay. It's just like you wink it out of existence. And that sounds useless, but it isn't. Mm. And it's going to become more and more useful to us as we move through this series. For now, I will tell you that its obvious use is reuse. So you could have the same HTML document that you want to use for different reasons. So if you want to take that HTML and make it look nice on a web browser, you probably want sidebars and headings and all that kind of stuff. But what if you want to print that same HTML? Ah. Actually, maybe we don't want all the other cruft around it. Maybe we only want the main content. So we can say to our the block that contains our header and our footer and our sidebar, display colon none. Poof. They're gone. Hmm. 
I, I think when we talked about this, the, the the state where I think I've seen this, and I've been real curious why they do this, um, on Apple's website, sometimes mm. when I go to search for peripherals, like mm-hmm. let's say I, I uh, the one I've noticed on is I'm looking for USB-C peripherals. I keep going back right. hoping there'll be more. And I go to that webpage and I'm too lazy to read everything. I want to just jump from, from search to search. So I type USB search in and it finds a sp- uh, it'll highlight an area in the middle of space. Right. And I think that word USB-C is in there somewhere. Right. But it but must have display none. It may be hidden in a different way because if display none, Safari would be smart enough not to find it, I think. Let me check mm. that. If we go back to our CSS playground and we close the pop-up window so we see the original getting started screen. Mm-hmm. And if you do an F for control panel, what happens? F? It does you not find... Yeah, sorry, find, whatever find is. So control per... Okay, well, it finds, finds it two three in, times. <laughs> but it doesn't find it a fourth time. Okay. It's on that page a fourth time with a display colon none. Oh. When, I click, when you click the start button, the getting started paragraph, its display property is changed. <sighs> none. No way. And the display property of the control panel is changed from, blo- from none to block. Hence wow. the control panel appears wow so when you get to javascript you can make clicking on things change the display property so hence display none becomes unbelievably important yeah because that's how you make stuff vanish and disappear you 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 change the display from none to block or from block to none or whatever you're having yourself you know whatever is appropriate that's how you make you conjure things in and out of existence Another way it comes into play is you're familiar with the concept. Now, we're going to look at this in more detail a little bit later, but for now, I'm just going to tell you about it. So if you go to a responsive website on a teeny tiny phone screen, instead of seeing a fancy sidebar, you often see the little hamburger button. Yeah. And when you go to the same page in a browser, the hamburger button isn't there and the sidebar is. Right. Well, that's because there's actually two style sheets. As you resize the page... When you go beyond a certain amount of pixels, the web page flips its style sheet. <sighs> and in one of the style sheets, the hamburger has displayed none and the sidebar is shown. And in the other style sheet, the sidebar has displayed none and the hamburger is shown. Okay, that's pretty cool. I mean, I've so seen display- exactly what you're talking about on, on partbeat.ie, for example. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, no, so, on let's dash No, on your site, on podfeet.com. Mm, no. Is your site responsive? Partbeat.ie no. is not. I think let's dash talk, talk is responsive. Yeah. And, oh, and I did it on Hank's History Hour because I used the same theme you had. Yes. So display none is actually used an awful lot, even though for what we learned so far, it seems a bit silly. But okay. I promise you, we are com- we're going to get to love that property. Okay. Okay. And you also asked me last time, how do you make stuff disappear? So there it is. <laughs> okay. Invisibility now cloak. Now on to the first of my funny ones. I've always told you that image tags behave a bit oddly. They behave a bit oddly because their display property is inline-block. That is, their default display property is inline-block. And as its name suggests, inline-block is like a halfway house between a block and an inline. And the way I think of it is that if you say this is inline-block, then the whole of whatever this is starts to behave as if it was a gigantic letter. Oh, okay. Like like in the old... Uh... Canterbury Tales or something where they yeah. have this big calligraphy type letter. Yeah, only in that case, that flows nicely. That behaves more like a float. It's <laughs> as if 
you had one letter on the line with a massive font size. It'll push everything else out of the way, but it will move over and back along the line as you resize the page. Just, you know, as, as text reflows, it'll behave as if it was a giant letter. And that's display inline block. And we've seen that that's how images work. Right. They behave like a letter, like a really big letter, depending on how big the image is. That is how everything that you make inline block behaves. Hmm. And you can take uh, any box and make it inline block. So as an example of this, are you familiar with the concept of cartouches from uh, ancient Egypt? <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, so I did the not study theory. the history first part. I'm sorry. I didn't know there you was reading. You recognize the look of them. But anyway, there's a link there to the Wikipedia page, so you can click on that and actually see them. But in hieroglyphs, the name of a pharaoh is a couple of pictures grouped together inside an oval. Okay. And effectively, you should treat all of those as one character. So though that oval surrounding the bird and the other funny symbols is the name of a pharaoh. In this okay. case, Moses III. Okay. So we're going to make a 21st century cartouche for me. And instead of using ancient hieroglyphs, we're going to use the pictures of the modern world emoji. <laughs> right? So we're going to construct... This is more fun than second grade math right now. Yay! We're going to construct a cartouche for me that is going to be an oval containing a grid of two by two emoji that represent things I like. So okay. I've picked an emoji of a camera a bicycle, a penguin, and a telescope. <laughs> okay. And we're going to make that behave like a giant big letter so we can have it in the flow of text like we would anything else. So the HTML for this is going to be a single span tag with a class of cartouche. And inside that span tag, I'm going to say image, image, or image, image. Now, to make things behave properly, we cannot have any white space between the images, which means that the image tags have to touch each other. There can't be an enter between them or a space or a tab. They've got to touch each other, which means that the markup is either all on one big long line, which looks really, really horrible and would make you scroll forever, or there's two tricks people use to make stuff appear, to make stuff touch each other without being on one line. Is this so just to make first, it more readable in the HTML? Yeah, okay. purely to make the HTML more readable. So the first technique is to put the enter inside the span tag and inside the image tag. So you'll see the way that the span, you'll see it there in the show notes, the span actually ends on line two. Okay. It looks a bit odd, so I actually prefer a second approach, which is to stick a comment in between. And the comment is enter. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it's, it's, he's just graphically written uh, what the uh, less than symbol, uh, bang, dash, dash, and then dash, dash, greater than symbol. Yeah, and so everything inside that comment is not there. <laughs> so the enter and the spaces in to tab it in nicely is not there. Okay. And so we now have a readable span with four images and a BR that is doesn't look awful, right? But it is just a span containing four images and a BR between the third, sorry, the second and third image. To okay. give us our two by two. Right. Now, if we were to just put that in like now, we would get the four images in a row. They would just behave like four images. You said there was a BR, though, in between the second yeah, and third. So it would, yeah. So, okay. So, sorry. We'd see two images, a new line, two images, and then our text would continue. Okay. So, they, they would do nothing special yet until we apply to our whole span. Our whole span of four images and a BR together is going to become like a letter by saying display colon inline block. 
So the CSS is shown below. So we see the HTML above, and then the next thing we see is the CSS. Span dot cartouche open curly bracket. So all spans of class cartouche. Mm-hmm. Display inline block. Padding one pixel, because I don't want my camera to be touching the edge of the border. So give me just a pixel is enough. Background color light blue. Seems as good a color as any. Border, one pixel solid dim gray. So one pixel border. Border radius 10 to give us at least a hint of the oval shape they had in ancient Egypt. A vertical aligned middle. I'm going to get you to put a pin on that and remember it later. Okay. Margin 1px, because we don't want it to bang into the text above and below and to the side. We want to have a little bit of a gap. Okay. Now we're saying span.cartouche space IMG. So do you remember what that means? Well, I was going to back you up. I can't remember what span means. Span is the name of a tag. So in other words, the span. So it's span.cartouche means a span tag with the class cartouche. So if you look up at the HTML. I don't remember what a span tag is. A span tag is just an empty tag like a div that you can do with whatever you please. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we learned last time that there were two of these. Div is by default block and span is by default inline. None of them are by default inline block. So I I cannot, to be honest, had a 50-50 choice. Okay. I chose span. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel better because I could never, it, it always seemed to have something to do with how it looked though. Right. Because the reason you would wrap something in a span is because you want to style it. Oh, okay. Okay. Good, good, good. Oh, that helps. That helps a lot. It does nothing as pure HTML. It only comes into its own when you apply some CSS to it. So you'll almost always see a span having either an ID or a class or both, because otherwise you can't really latch onto it with the CSS. Okay. Okay. So span.cartouche is a span tag with class cartouche. Uh So what does span.cartouche space IMG mean? I don't know. Okay. This is okay. It's important. So it's a good reminder. It means an image tag inside a span dot cartouche. Okay. So this, oh, this is saying if you find an image source, then apply this stuff just to the image source. So this, okay. So all images that are inside span dot cartouche will have a margin of one, a width of 16 and a height of 16. So we're not saying that every image in the whole page is going to be 16 pixels wide. Only images inside cartouches. Okay. And the cartouche formatting was what we did first was saying that yeah. we're going to have a pic, uh, one uh, pixel padding we're going to have it's going to be light blue it's going to have a rounded corners that yes. was only talking about the cartouche itself not what was inside the cartouche now we're saying correct. if you've got images in a cartouche do this in addition correct okay all right okay and that is all we need so if you now scroll down this is what it looks like in a paragraph of text <laughs> So he's got this nice uh, text that suddenly has this big, well, not that big, but maybe three times the height of the uh, of the text. It's got a camera, a bicycle, a penguin, and a telescope. That's my cartouche in modern emoji. <laughs> You're going to use this other places, aren't you? I might just do, actually. Wait, quite worse like yet, it. did you already have it? That'd be funny. No, no, I came up with the idea because I just, well, what can I make up as an excuse for inline block? And that seemed like a fun way to do it. <laughs> okay, okay. So maybe this will take off. Maybe everyone should pick four their four favorite emoji and shove them into a cartouche. <laughs> there you go. We could put them all up in our, our Flickr group or something. <laughs> exactly. Now. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I said stick a pin in vertical align. Well, we can take the pin out. That's where we're going now. So... Anything that is display inline block, and that includes images which are inline block by default, have a vertical dash align property that allows you to control how they appear vertically within a line of text. And so 
no prizes for guessing that middle means put it in the middle. And that's exactly what you see here. The cartouche is not, it, it is, you know, the middle of the cartouche is in line with the middle of the letter A. It is in the middle. Right. Yes. Right. There are other options. So vertical align lets you control how it looks. The default, in fact, is not in the middle. The default is, so if you remember in school when you wrote on a copy book, there were these little faint blue lines. Okay. I don't know what a copy book is. The letter A sat on the line and the letter T sat on the line, but the G poked through the line. Right. And the P pokes through the line. Well, that line is called the baseline. Oh. And so the default alignment for a display for a display inline block is baseline, which means that it sits on the imaginary line you learned about in school. I'm with you. Then you then also have. Sorry. I'm with you. You're with me. Good. Okay. Other options you have are sub and sup, which means pretend that this weird letter I've made up is superscript or subscript. Okay. So put it appropriately up or down. Top and bottom is similar. Top means make the top of my inline block thing be the same height as the tallest thing on the line. And that tallest thing on the line might be the top of the letter H, or it might be the top of another image. But whatever it is that's making the, whatever the tallest thing on the line is, align me with that. And bottom means align my bottom with the short, you know, the lowest thing on the line. Text minus top and text minus bottom, subtly different, means ignore all the other things that might be on the line. Align me to the bottom of the G or the top of the T. Oh, to just, okay, just where letters are. Oh, that's weird. Right, very, right. Top, bottom, text, top and text, bottom are often the same if the only thing in a line is text. Right. But they may not be. So you have the power should you need it. Yeah, the flexibility is cool, but that's pretty weird cool. that it's that detailed. But okay, gotcha. Yeah. Somebody middle wanted it. Just talked about. Yeah, mm-hmm. middle we've talked about. And then the last two are even weirder. You can give it a number like 4px or minus 3em. And what that means is put it on the baseline and then move it by this amount. And if the number is positive, you move up. And if the number is negative, you move down. All this is is stuff we can say inside vertical dash align? Anything that is vertical align can be vertically positioned within the line of text using all of these possible wow. values. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then the last one is percentage. So move it up by a percentage of the height of the line. So what is again, what is the line again? So the line is the difference between so the like so okay, so in a normal line of text, the line is elements displayed as an inline block behave like they are a single, is the line in the, in the image there here. So from the bottom of the Y to the top of the D is the height of the line. Okay. Now, on the line with our cartouche in it, the bottom of the line is the bottom of the cartouche, and the top of the line is the top of the cartouche, because the whole line has been made taller to fit our giganto fake letter. <laughs> okay. Right, so in that case, the line height is thirty-four pixels, whereas in the other case, it's something less than that. Okay, so so, so you could shift it by twenty-five percent the height of the line to basically nudge it up by a quarter of whatever height okay. the line happens to be. So line is defined by the size of the text that's in this area, wherever we are. Yeah, and if you okay. change the font size or if you add in some more images, that'll change. Okay, all right. So it's relative gotcha. to something that varies, which was why I have never seen anyone specify the uh, vertical alignment that way but it's possible (laughs) okay okay 
Now, so you can use display inline block to do what we've just done here, to, to make our little cartouche, or to make anything behave like it was an image, basically, or like it was a giant letter. It also has other useful uses, and we have an example of it in our control panel. So if we move back to our positioning control panel, and we click start again, and we just look at the control panel window, and we ignore the pop-up. Mm-hmm. But don't close the pop-up, or it'll make the control panel go away. So we have a, an outer box, which is labeled control panel. And that contains little boxes called box 1, box 2, box 3, box 4, box 5. Yes? Yes. Okay. The outer box is just a normal block level element. Nothing funny to see here. It's a tag we haven't learned about yet, but we'll learn about it in future because it's useful for making forms behave themselves. But it doesn't matter what it's called. It's just a box. Now, box 1, box 2, box 3, box 4, they are display inline Sorry, display inline block. They are inline blocks. So they are behaving... So the whole of box one is behaving like a gigantic letter. The whole of box two is behaving like a gigantic letter. The whole of box three is behaving like a gigantic letter. And in this case, I have intentionally put a space between each box. So they're actually behaving like one-letter words. So what happens as you make the window narrower and wider? Well, the fifth box jumps down to below, so you get and is centered. So one, two, three, four on one line, and box five on the second line centered. Yeah, and then you make it a bit narrower again, and the next one jumps down. So they behave as if they were a paragraph of one-letter words, where the letters happen to be gigantic letters. So they're cartouches? <laughs> they are. They, yeah, that is achieved by saying display inline block. Okay. And it's a really nice effect. So that is is this getting reason. to where you told me uh, you were going to teach me how not to make tables? Right. Yes, okay. absolutely. You could, uh, you could use a table to, make, to lay out these boxes, but the thing is, if you used a table, you could never make them jump around like that. Right, right. So then you would have to have a scroll bar up here if your window was too narrow, or yeah. you would have to say, no matter how wide the window, it's always two in a line. I much prefer to be able to have people resize it as they wish and have it behave sensibly. Right. So this is a nicer way of doing it than tables. Tables yeah. are evil. That's why I continue <laughs> to not tell you about them. Okay. And we're not going to talk about tables. We are going to talk about tables, but not until I've shown you all of, till I've shown you the right way to do all of the things tables are abused for. And then <laughs> you know the right way to do all those things. I'm going to show you tables because they actually have a really good use. They are perfect for displaying tabular data. But that's not what I use them for. That's not what half the planet used to use them for. Right, right. Okay. So, okay. Anyway, that was a slight aside. So, you can use display inline block to to make entire big things behave like they were a letter or a word, and that can be very nice when you, especially when you put them inside something with text aligned center. Yeah, yeah. This is really pretty. Okay. This is really pretty. So, another very useful use. Okay. Now we come on to the final and most powerful display. Okay, I say final. Oh, there's actually another 10 of them or so, but trust me, they're not ones that we use or ones the browser uses, and we're just not going to talk about them. But if someone's being pedantic, I am aware of the fact that there are more. <laughs> okay. But we're not going to talk about them. Okay, so the last one is new. The last one came into existence in CSS version 3, and it was entirely created to solve problems like the one we created with our two-column layout. It is a direct response to the fact that people had awful trouble with layouts. Because basically, without flex boxes, layouts always have a problem. 
you just make sure that the problem you have is never one that happens on your page. But every layout has a weakness. Huh. Because the existing position float, they all, it, they're just imperfect. Because they weren't really designed for pages, you know, for, for that kind of page layout that we started to use them for. So the good news is CSS3 is aware of this fact and entirely because of these shortcomings invented a whole new way to display things. Display colon flex. And it is called, because it's actually quite a complex topic, it's called the flex box model. So we're used to the box model, but now we have flex boxes. And I'm going to tell you now that we are going to cover about 5% of what flex boxes can do. Okay. Because if we did it all, it would take us at least three installments. <laughs> okay. So and just the give us is, the Reader's so, Digest condensed version? Right. But it's also a case that 98% of the time, you only need 2% of the features. <laughs> okay, good. So spending three installments on it would bore, the te- bore you to tears and wouldn't help us very much. What I am going to do is I'm going to include a link to resources for where to go if you need more. I don't think we've done that before in this series, but I'm intentionally giving you a skinny version with the ability to go further should you need to. But what I'm teaching you is enough to do what you're most likely to need to do. So the chances are you'll never need to go any further. Okay, so I need to get some terminology into your head before we go any further. So Uh in order for anything to behave as a flexbox, you need two different parts. It's one of these machines that only works when it has two bits. So the first part is we're going to choose a tag that is going to behave like a container for our flex boxes. So imagine flex boxes are like water. You've got to contain them in something or you have a mess. All right. So whatever it is with the container, we make it a container by saying display colon flex. And that turns whatever it is, be it a paragraph, be it a header, be it a div, be it a span, doesn't matter what it is. If we say display colon flex, we turn it into a flex container. Okay. Now, the top level tags inside our flex container are flex items. You don't do anything to make them flex items. By making their daddy or mammy into a flex container, they have become flex items. Okay. Okay, that's it. They're the difficult terminology. Okay, so that we have that out of the way. So what we... Okay, so within a, what makes a flex box different to any other box? Well, the answer is inside a flex box, when you have... A flex box that behaves like a row on a table without being a table. So you can have as many cells as you want. Now, it's a one-row table with as many cells as you want. And every cell will stretch to be the full height of the tallest cell. Oh, nice. And as you resize the window, they will resize in a sensible way that you get to control. Now, that is exactly what you want for sidebars. And things like that, whether it be one sidebar, a middle bit, another sidebar, or one sidebar and a middle bit. What you want is to be able to say, I want this bit to always be 200 pixels, that bit to always be 200 pixels, and the bit in the middle to shrink and grow. Or I want these three things to always be the same width as each other and shrink, shrink and grow in unison. Or I want this one to always be twice the size of this one. And as they shrink and grow, you always get that two to one ratio. All of that is what Flexbox does. It can do any of those scenarios. But it's a one row table that you get to define, how do I shrink and grow? So just to be contrary, tables, you can do that, right? You can say, I want these these three cells to be 33%. No matter how wide you make it, it's always 33%. That is true. Okay. But a table comes with baggage. Okay. This gives us that 
the reason people used tables for layouts was because it has side effects that are useful for layout. Well, Flexbox takes the side effects and turns them into something explicit. And it stops you abusing tables, which have very many... Okay, I'm it, not trying to like, talk you into tables. I was no, just no, trying no. to show off that I knew something. <laughs> yes, no, you're correct. And the, okay. the, they are inspired by tables okay. because there were good elements to tables. The problem is tables are a bit like chemotherapy. Yeah, they do good things, but God, they're side effects. Okay, okay. So this is basically chemotherapy without the side effects. Okay, targeted. Tar- yeah. So this is to do exactly the one thing we liked about tables. And tables came with all these other horrible things we didn't like. But they did do this one thing well. So we've taken that one thing and turned it into a new feature. This is the Flexbox. All right. Okay, so our Flexbox is created simply by saying display colon flex. So how do we control the flex items? The way we control them is with the CSS property flex. Flex is really, really complicated. But today we're going to look at its simple use. So I'm going to teach you about two possible values for flex. None, which means don't stretch or shrink, which is exactly what we want for a sidebar. We want it to be 200 pixels or 400 pixels or whatever we're having ourselves. Uh, So none or a number. And the number is simply part of a ratio. Hmm. So if you wanted to have three equal size boxes, you would say flex colon one on all three. And as they shrink and grow, they will always be a third. If you want to have the middle one twice as big, you'd say flex one on the first one, flex two on the second one, flex one on the third one. Then the middle one will always be twice as wide as the other two. So it will maintain the ratio no matter what width the window is. Okay. That's right. That's it. I am That's interesting because you're not having to tell it the ratio. So if you had one, two, one, and then mm-hmm. you added a, another one in, so it was one, two, two, one, instead of being a quarter, a half, and a quarter, it would be, what, one fifth? Two yeah. fifths, two fifths, one fifth. So what Wait, you're basically fourth. saying is, I want uh, this to mind. be <laughs> n units rather than. Uh, it's not exactly a ratio. You're right. It's more. It's more useful than an exact ratio. Yeah, because you can add and remove boxes without having to redo Keep your defining math. it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're just learning about the really, really simple. That is the most useful thing about flex boxes, and that is two percent of what they can do. But for that's this, the 2% we need. For the people who are yelling, I just did the math. It's one six two six two six one six. It was bothering me. <laughs> oh, dear. Thank Back you for doing it. Instead of me doing it. Okay. Now, what I want to say is, so there are three links in the show notes. So there is, the first one is to a particularly detailed and beautifully visual tutorial on Flexboxes. So it's got lots and lots of pictures, which is great because Flexboxes will make your head hurt when you get into the nitty gritty without pictures. So that's why I like, that's why I chose that one out of all of the results from Google. The middle link is just a shortcut to all of the CSS properties for flex boxes. So we have learned about display colon flex and flex. However, notice there's a lot more of them than that. Oh, and I've just remembered I forgot something I want to tell you about, but it's not, it's not a problem. We can come back to it. And then the last one is not free, but it is really good. It's a lynda.com tutorial about Flexbox. Yeah, okay. So if you happen to have a Lynda subscription, great link. If you don't, I'm not saying go buy Lynda, but I love Lynda because I learned so much there. Or, but anyway, if you or to have a it, county library card. Steve and I just went, got county library cards. We were told this worked at least in California, and I know it, it works in Canada because Stephen Getz told me about it. We get free access to Lynda. With a free library card. That is amazingly good value for a library Yeah, card. Yeah, Steve's been playing around um, in there. So, yeah, it's definitely cool. Check wow, your okay. local uh, listings. 
Yeah, I'm assuming basically those public libraries pale into something. Sort of like a massive subscription for all the members. That's a really good service. So in other words, our tax, dares, our tax dollars are paying for it. Go get it. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It is paid for, so use it. Yeah. Okay, so we've told you about display colon flex to make a flex container and then flex to control the flex item within the flex container. Right. There's one more property I want to mention because one of the cool things about our, our layout we did last time was that the, the order of the HTML tags didn't have to be the same as the order stuff appeared on the page. So we had our sidebar last, but it kind of shows up first. And that's important because screen readers and text-only browsers will show you the stuff in the order it appears in the HTML. So you want your most important stuff at the front and your least important oh, stuff at the bottom. Oh, is that why? That's why. And so that's why it was really nice. that with it, That's why we picked box four, in, or sorry, box five instead of box four to become the sidebar because it's further down the page. Ah. Flex boxes have that same magical property and it's done through a property called order. And it's literally order colon one will be first, order colon two will be second, and you can guess how third is made. <laughs> so the, that's the order of flex boxes within a flex, flex box? container. A flex, flex container, okay. So you have a flex container which contains flex items. That's, that's what you have to keep in your head. So whenever you're reading documentation, it talks about flex containers and flex items. Okay, I got you. Okay. So we're going to tie this together by recreating our two-column layout properly using flex boxes. Okay. So again, you can download the zip file, stick it in a folder, or you know, extract it. So you get a folder called PBS9, drag and drop it into your local web service document root, start your web server, and then go to localhost forward slash PBS9. Can I ask and a really embarrassing question? I've been sitting here trying to remember the name of the software that we do to run. Oh, it's MAMP. There. MAMP, yeah. <laughs> I've been sitting here going, what is it called? Okay. Okay, and so if you open it up there and stretch it out to be a nice width, you'll see we have our two-column layout back. Okay, we have our on. header. Hang on, let me catch up to you. This is what I was trying to do in the background, but for the life of me. So, open... So I have to open... Wait, I forget how to do this. We haven't done it in so long. Okay, so... My web server has started. Oh, your web server started. Slash uh, PBS9. And you have copied the stuff into HCDocs? Yes. Okay. There you go. Okay. Okay. So it looks very similar to last time. In fact, I kept the sidebar identical to last time. Mm -hmm. The header has just had the number updated from eight to nine. And the footer is also identical. And we have our same layout. One column, which as you resize the window, remains at uh, 200 pixels. And then all, the, all of the wiggly wobbly stuff is taken up in the content area. Right. I'm glad to see we and have like a cartouche in the middle of the text. We do indeed have our cartouche. Okay. So like the last time, at, at the highest level, there are only three boxes here. So header, then a div called center underscore region, and then a footer. And inside center underscore region, we have two boxes, one for the sidebar and one for the content. Hang on, content I, I don't know where we are. You lost me. So are you looking okay, at... I'm just describing the structure of the page, to be honest. But you can see that structure either by looking in index.html. Okay. Or by turning on the developer tools in the browser and pointing at things. Okay. I'm in the wrong browser, but okay. Uh, you can do it in any browser. So in Safari, it's develop show web inspector. I'm getting better at it in Firefox. I want to do it over there. Okay. Sorry for the delay of game. That's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. So inspector, there we go. Okay. So in your left sidebar, you'll see that inside the body, you have a header tag, which contains 
the entire header of the page. Mm-hmm. Then you have a div ID equals central underscore region, and that contains all the middle. And now I actually know what that is. I can, I can, I can see it in my head now. That's good. Okay. And then at the bottom, we have a footer, which is the footer tag. Okay. So the magic happens inside div ID equals central underscore region because it contains, if you expand it out, it contains main and div ID equals sidebar. Yes, it does. Okay. So div ID equals central underscore region, we have made that into our flex container by saying display colon flex. Where? Which, Where did we see In that? the CSS. Okay, so the CSS is the find then style.css if you want to look along. Okay. Go style.css. Okay, so I need to be looking at that. I don't know how so you'll find... else to, I hope nobody does this while trying to drive. I, I, not advisable. <laughs> Marianne would say you're not pay, focused on driving. Okay. No, this is, yeah, especially in the demo bit. You can listen along to all the rest. But the demo bit, really, you got to, you got to be looking at the code. Okay. So let me give you a line number. That's always easier with line numbers. So we are looking for the bit where I say, okay, so line 49 says main. So that is, sorry, line 46, div hash central underscore region display colon flex. Ah, so we're saying the entire middle bit, turn that into a flex container. And once you do that, by definition, the two things inside it become flex items. Right. That is the main tag and div ID equals sidebar. So they are now flex items. Just Can't, because we said display flex on its on its parent. Just because so, I'm trying to really understand here, yes. um, it, it usually says things like div ID equals central region, but it doesn't. It says div and then a hash central underscore region. Okay, so hash is the symbol we use for IDs in our selectors. So the way span dot cartouche meant a span with a class of cartouche, div hash central region means a div with the ID of central region. So if you look in the HTML file, you'll see that it is as you expect it to be. So if you go to index.html and scroll down to line. So that thing I don't ever, can't ever keep track of which one has a dot and that between the two, it's one of those things. (laughs) Okay. Yes, I'm afraid you're going to have to. Okay. Dot has pass and hash or pound or whatever you call it is ID. Gotcha. And practice will give you that. Okay, good. Now now I understand what it is that uh, I'm, Probably not going to remember, but I, I know I got it. You know I'm what to remember. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So by simply saying div hash central region display colon flex, that whole central region becomes the flex container. And then main and div hash sidebar become flex items. Okay. So below that, we have starting at line 49, main flex mm-hmm. colon one. Padding 10 pixels, border left. So we're give, the border left gives us that dotted line between the sidebar and the rest. So we're saying border left is this dashed line, 0099. Okay. And actually, the overflow auto has become superfluous. I should have removed that. And order colon 2. So we want that to be second. Oh. Below that, we have div, div hash sidebar with 200 pixels, flex none. So do not shrink me and grow me, flex none. We give it a color, font size, whatever. Order 1. Flex none, and it's and it's order one. So a screen reader would read our sidebar first and main second. 
no, no, a screen reader is, is, is going to see whatever is first in the HTML documents. If you go back to index.html, a screen reader will come across main first. Ah, what's the order for again then? I thought it was for the order. The that... order is for physically showing it. So this is a row from left to right. So the first thing in our row is our sidebar. Oh. Even the second thing in our code. Wow. I'm glad you did this example because I completely good. misunderstood that. Okay, good, good. That's the point of examples, right? Yeah. Tie it all together. Okay. Okay, so, oops, I've gone to the wrong application. Let's go back here. So if we go back to our style sheet, then we're saying, so a sidebar, flex none, don't shrink or grow at width 200. So that's what we have. We have first thing appearing is the sidebar. It's always the same width, 200 pixels. And then the other bit shrinks and grows, which is from our flex one. Okay, and you're saying we didn't need overflow auto because... That was that's a leftover. Sorry, I made this by starting with last week's example. I could okay. delete that. That was needed last week but, to make but, stuff not but, behave but, but, badly. But the reason we don't need it is because flex is one. The no. reason we don't need it is because flexbox is way better than positioning stuff relative and all that kind of carry on. Okay. All right. Okay. So that is the first thing I want to draw your attention to. The second thing I want to draw your attention to is the exact code for the cartouche, which actually we've kind of seen that already, but just a reminder, so if you go into line 86, you'll see span.cartouche, display inline block, padding one. Yeah, we've done all this. We'll yeah. that for now. Okay. Okay. The next thing I want to draw your attention to, if we go back to the browser and actually look at the page, is... Ooh, where is me? Turn off my developer tool so I can see my page without blue highlights everywhere. <laughs> um, so the next thing we have is Flexbox demo. So I said that you can also use a Flexbox to lay out you know, n number of things in nice equal widths. So I have three recommended podcasts, a certain one called the Nocilic Cast, Chit Chat Across the Pond, and Let's Talk Apple. Great. And those are three flex items inside the flex box. And as you resize the page, you will notice they behave like a very nicely growing three-cell three table. You know... They shrink, they, and they go, and they shrink, and they're nicely centered. But they don't. Um, in Safari, when I shrink them, they smash all over each other. Okay, if you make them too small to fit, I'm afraid they're too small to fit. But once so they're they big don't enough jump to, fit, to the next line like the way your other example did. No, they don't. Flexboxes. What we've learned about flexboxes can't do that, and I didn't want to confuse the issue. I could make it do that with flexboxes, but I didn't. Okay, so uh, yeah, well, maybe maybe I will in the future. But I'm I'm confused because they're they're behaving very differently in the two browsers. So in Firefox, when I shrink okay. it. If, as I get real wide, they stay all nice and centered. But when I get to a certain point, the text starts to wrap. And then they hit a point where they don't smash into each other. But with Safari, they do smash into each other. Well, to be honest, Safari's behavior is not according to the spec and Firefox's is. Okay. So they should actually, like, when the images hit each other, they should stop. Okay. So Firefox and is doing scroll, it right. So Firefox is behaving according to the spec and Safari is not. Okay, I thought what you were about to show us was the way you did it with your one, two, three, four, five boxes in your demo. No, so w within the regions of sort of a reasonable person's computer screen width. So I haven't. This isn't a responsive design. This is just so only for browser width because we haven't really covered responsive yet. If we're okay. doing this responsive, we'd make it behave differently. Okay, but you can see that for for a reasonable value of the width of the page, they behave as three flexible boxes of equal width. Okay, now you're going to show us how you did that? Yeah, so let's start in the HTML because that's always a place to start. So let's go to index.html and scroll down to line podcast tips. 35, podcast tips. Okay. So div id equals podcast tips. Uh -huh. 
And then I've decided that these things aren't really central to the, or they are central to the page, but their layout isn't important. So I've, I've decided to use the figure tag because that makes semantic sense. So I said figure class equals podcast. And inside it, I have your picture, which is, which has a link around it, an ahref. I have a heading that says the Nocilla cast, a heading, a H2 that says by Alison Sheridan, and a paragraph that says the Technology Geek podcast with ever so slight Macintosh bias. <laughs> he spelled it with five E's, just so you know. Okay. At least, yeah. Did you count them? It's at least five, if not yeah. six. <laughs> I don't have glasses on. Who knows? Okay. And then we repeat that pattern. So figure class equals podcast, my, uh, the chit chat across the pond picture. H1, Chit Chat Across the Pond, H2 by Alison Sheridan, P, a weekly interview show about all things tech, and another figure for my podcast. So it's three figures inside a div. Okay. The figures have a class of podcast, and the div has an ID of podcast tips. So I'm imagining you would assume that somewhere in the CSS we have diff, we have hash podcast tips for the ID podcast tips. And we do indeed on line 122. Oh, look at that. Display colon flex. Make that div into a flex box, a flex container. Mm-hmm. Color dim gray because I want all text inside it to default to being gray. Font size 10 point because I want it to be small. How do you know it was going to be the text that would turn gray, not like the background or something? Because the color tag only affects text. If I wanted to affect the background, it would be background minus color. Okay. All right. Then underneath it, we have figure.podcast. In other words, for each of our figures... So each of our three figures have a class of podcast. So all three of them are matched by this one rule, which starts on line 127. Mm-hmm. Flex colon one. So all three of them have a flex of one. So all three of them will be the same width. Text right, align right. center. Okay. Then in order to make it not look terrible, I have for figure.podcast space H1. So H1's inside those podcast doodads, comma, figure.podcast space h2 so and h2's inside podcasts comma figure dot podcast space p so paragraphs headings inside our little podcast doodads all of them get margin zero padding two so you did it that way so you wouldn't have to say it over and over again yes if you're finding yourself copying and pasting you're doing it wrong because <laughs> okay. if you change your mind now i've got to change it once instead of remembering all the other places to change it okay which so is the whole purpose better. of CSS is to not have to do that. Exactly. And then we're saying that the H1 actually needs a bit more styling. So we're saying figure.podcast space H1 font size 14 point and H2 are making 12 point font weight normal font style italic. So by default, a H2 would be bold, but I don't want it to be bold, but I would like it to be italic. So hence font weight normal font style italic. And then the last thing is the podcast logo. So img.podcast underscore logo. We're saying make them all 200 pixels high. Doesn't matter what width they are. Make them 200 pixels high. Give them a one pixel border with a rounded corner. Oh, so interesting. So you force them into that um, that size by saying height 200 pixels. It made all of them 200 pixels? Yeah, because they all have that class. So all that rule applies to them all. So in actual fact, the raw files are all about 200, but not exactly. Like 202 for some reason. Yeah, and some of them are, I think, 225. They're a little bit different. They're just just, just the way they came out of the internet. Sure. And this way, I made sure they lined up perfectly by saying that the height is the same. So the fact that their widths are a bit different doesn't matter. Ah. It's making the height the same. They've all lined up nicely. And so you can see the H1 is bold. Below it, the H2 has gone italic and not bold. So the by Alice and Sheridan, by Bart Pushats. And then below it, we have our paragraph. 
And so we have styled our stuff. So there we go. That is our demo. And that is all the new stuff we learned today. Very cool. So I'm sorry, I have to confess, if you're hearing a bird in the background, while I've been talking, Steve gave the cats a new toy. So there's been a bird chirping. I'm like, what is that bird coming in the window here? So I got a little distracted for a second. It's not a bird. It's it's a... It's a toy. I don't know if you could hear it, but I I, I, I sent Stephen notes saying there's this crazy bird outside my window, and it's a cat in the room. Oh, no. so I didn't want to mo- miss the grand finale, but that's why I didn't go yay or anything like that. So okay, let me make sure I follow the last bit of it. Uh, now that okay. I'm undistracted, um, the so the flex box contains these three figures. We mm-hmm. styled the three figures uh, using CSS with this figure dot mm-hmm. podcast. Um, Mm-hmm. We've styled the text of the the heading one, heading two, heading three differently. Mm-hmm. But we started by saying, okay, but they all have in common the same margin and padding. But then later on, mm-hmm. we say the different sizes for the text. And then we Correct. declare the size, the height of the image. And then the by only declaring the height, the width goes along for the ride. Correct. Yes. Which, by and the way, is the only thing both. I've been able to really use since we started because I don't have access to my CSS. But now that I know I only have to define one, I'm not pulling out my calculator figuring out the other one anymore. Yay. <laughs> okay, so we've now arrived at a kind of an important point in our journey. So we have now learned about the three, the sort of the triumvirate of properties for doing layout. So float, position, and display. And those three together are the atoms from which we create web layouts. And we reach for each one as appropriate. Let me say it again. So it's float, position, and... Display. (laughs) Display. So display colon inline block for our cartouches and display colon flex for our flex boxes. Right. I like that flex one. I want to go use it. Flex rocks. Actually, I'm also going to tease... This is is a terrible tease. So this is not a tease for next week. Uh. This is not even a tease for next year. This is a tease for, I estimate, three years from now. (laughs) Right? So Flexbox is really nice. But for creating a nice website layout, you actually want a grid, not just one row. So the ne- something that is being worked on today to make CSS better is a new CSS module called Grid. And right now it's in the design phase. They're having a good argument about how it should work. And if you turn on developer mode in Chrome, you can play with it. And if you turn on a secret hidden setting in Firefox, you can play with it. But there is one browser leading the world. And you're never going to guess which one it is. Opera. Microsoft Edge. <laughs> Edge is the only browser that has grid support today, which is why it's not ready for us to use. There's no point in me teaching it because Firefox won't know what to do with it. Chrome won't know what to do with it. Opera won't know what to do with it. But in the future, so if we, you know, a, a few years from now, there's going to be a happy day when I get to teach you about grids. But grids are as cool as flex, only in two dimensions. But it, as I say, right now, it's still a work in progress, but it's something to look forward to. It sounds like a good thing. Oh, it's, it's, I, I watched the Linda, the Linda tutorial on it, and it just made me go, I want this now. Now, <laughs> I tell you, now. Not in the future, now. You're salivating. Well, I guess oh, like, right now, if I had two rows of three icons, because apparently the Podfeed empire is just going to keep expanding and we're going to have more and more shows, um, I would then, I'd need to do three flex bo- or two flex boxes instead flex. of, because I don't have a grid. Yeah. Oh, man, Flex sucks. It doesn't suck. It's very useful. (laughs) 
but it's not. It doesn't do everything we'd like it to do. Whereas great is, oh, great is going to be amazing because remember, great is also going to have an equivalent of order. So you can actually say, my HTML is in this order. I don't care. Take this and put it top left. Take this and put it bottom right. And so you literally be able to just pick pieces out of the HTML and stick them into a grid. It's going to be so cool. But it's not here yet. <laughs> okay, so we have arrived at how to do layouts without using tables. Yes. And we're actually going to take things a bit easier for the next couple of installments. So the next things we want to do is I want to teach you about some more CSS selectors. So selectors are the bits that apply the rules to a certain thing. So span.cartouche is a selector. P is a selector. P space EM is a selector, but there's more of them. So I want to teach you about some more of those that do cool things. And then I want to teach you how to style lists. So we've learned about lists from an HTML point of view. We know how to make an ordered list and an unordered list. And we know we can put one inside the other. But I haven't taught you how to control what they look like in CSS. And you can control what they look like. Hmm. So that's something else we've got to learn, because you can do really nice things with the bulleted lists, and, and well, with all of them, actually. So do you want Roman numerals, or do you not want Roman numerals? So we've, you know, we've some things to learn there. And only then am I going to teach you about tables. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then we're going to learn about tables. And then, then comes the big leap. Then I'm going to teach you your first real programming language. Then comes JavaScript. Oh, okay. Right, so in terms of CSS, the heavy lifting is done. We're now going to wrap up our loose ends. Then we're going to do tables, which I've intentionally skipped. And then we start on phase three. So HTML was phase one, CSS was phase two, and then we go on to phase three, which is JavaScript. And HTML isn't really programming, and CSS isn't really programming either. But JavaScript, now we're programming. Now we have stealthed up on the stuff. Okay. So that's where we're going. And to whet your appetite, so... The little doodad we saw today, that is all done in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So you are two-thirds of the way to being able to do that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, so uh, JavaScript, and then uh, we're going to be doing Swift the week after that? I think JavaScript might take us more than a week. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. And we have a, I haven't decided exactly where we're going after that, but there is, oh, we have so much on the menu. There is so much possibilities. But JavaScript is really going to get us... That is going to be a transformation. That's when your your knowledge is going to really change and you're going to just move on to a whole new plane of existence. That is going to be such a cool step. And after that, actually, the steps are cool and fun, but nowhere near as earth-shattering. Okay. Well, this sounds like fun, Bart. I like this episode. My head doesn't hurt nearly as much as last week. Good, and I promise to do the same to you next time. I won't hurt your head. We're just going to learn cool and fun stuff. <laughs> so we should we should confess, last week we did security bits that went really long, and then we did this. And so we'd been on the horn for like two and a half hours by the time my head exploded. So this week we decided to split chit-chat from security bits because tomorrow's chit-chat or security bits, that's going to be big. Oh, my God, is there a lot going on this week? Like the whole, the universe has decided just to gang up on us. It's just not fair. <laughs> no, everybody loves hearing your assessment on it, Bart. So I think people will really look forward to it on, uh, on Sunday's release of the No Cellicast. Excellent. Well, as I say, until two weeks from now, when we get to do more cool CSS stuff, uh, happy computing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is an unsponsored show, so if you like what you hear, you can help support the show by using the Amazon or App Store affiliate links you'll find over at podfeet.com. 
I love feedback. So if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at allison at podfeed.com. If you want to join in the conversation with other listeners, you can go over to our Google Plus community at podfeed.com slash Google Plus or our Facebook group over at podfeed.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.